It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, the cool dude laying down the fresh beats for today's generation and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Again, this is not easy stuff, and I, this is not the fun stuff of coaching, and yet if you apply it and use it, it will work, and it will help you build something so lasting and good um, that uh, people in your department will be wondering how, how you do it. Um, and again, all this is based on feedback we get from the student-athletes. So talk about a story and this aspect of telling a story, and I said pounding on that. I wanted, I felt it was good if we spend 30 minutes or so talking about how do I create the story as a coach once I go back to campus, what does this look like specifically? Um, so the first, uh, this is interactive a little bit. Um, so Chad, get ready to bounce around. Um, when you hear the word story, I, I kept using that word very intentionally, what comes to mind? Elevator An elevator pitch, so like a sales pitch or something? What else? Uh, the experience that they'll have or that maybe you've had as a coach at that school. What else? The why. The why. Yeah, why, why should I go there? Probably a combination of all three plus a couple of things. But the reason that I keep coming back to the word story is that this generation of recruits, really all of us, but especially teenagers, the most marketed to generation in the history of mankind. They make their decisions on a story. And do I connect with that story? Is that the story that I believe in or that I you know, um, um, you know, focus on or that I raise my hand and say, yep, that's me? That's what that story is. I think we need to get away from a recruiting message and revolve it to story because that's how we make decisions. So if, if we're, you know, again, Looking at stories and the history of stories, um, they were creatively told. It's how information was passed down generation to generation, actually not too long ago, within you know this full generation. But storytelling is an art, and storytelling has a process. And I need you as coaches to understand a little bit about what that is so that you can apply it to when you go back and look at the stuff sitting in Word documents on your computer, back at the office or what you typically send out a to a, rec a recruit, be able to measure, is that something that is telling a story or are we just relaying information that we could, that the prospect should, could just get on their phone? So if I showed you that symbol without overthinking it really quickly, what comes to mind? What is the story of Nike? Or what, what, is, what is the brand association you have with that? <laughs> okay, so hey, it's okay. I mean, a negative story. We're going to have that. Yeah. What else? Innovation. Okay, innovation, different products and shoe lines and everything. Absolutely. What else? Running. Running. Yeah, that's how it started. And yeah. I mean, for many colleges, it's sort of the go-to standard brand, depending on sport. But you know, there's that idea of you know, are you a Nike school or an Under Armour school? Different sports, and so. It comes along with a story, positive or negative, you know Nike's story. Instantly you know Nike's story. Okay, Starbucks. You either like it, hate it, it's too expensive, um, it's not custom enough, I got my local place, or I'm a Dunkin' Donuts 
coach, whatever it is, usually have a story about Starbucks or a brand awareness about Starbucks that, uh, that, that you could have. So when I show you that, what comes to mind with Starbucks? What is the word or phrase that comes to mind? They burn their beans. What's that? Yeah, yeah, it grew from one little shop in Seattle and now it's everywhere. What else? Location. Location and turn, the, again, they're, they're, they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's consistently okay. <laughs> and you know what? Like McDonald's, like Pizza Hut, you know what you're going to get. I will admit to you that if I travel, and I travel quite a bit, campus to campus, if I need something quick, I'm not going to go to the, the local place I find on Yelp. I'm probably going to find a McDonald's to drive through because I got to, it's just, it'll, it'll take away my hunger pains. I might regret it in 30 minutes, but it's good. It's fast. I can get, you know, eat it while I'm on my way to the airport. So we make those decisions. But, and so consistently okay, um, you know what you're going to get with Starbucks. But you know what? There's also a comfort in that. There's a little bit of a comfort in that. You can tell me Nike's not good, and okay, I'll use Under Armour. I voted this way. I voted for this party or this guy or whoever it was. You're tough to change your mind now. It's tough to change minds. So we have adapted whatever that story is so deeply that we aren't even willing to listen to the other story. That's why all this is important because your kids are making voting decisions on your school the same way that we do when it comes to a presidential election. The same way. So, what is it that when you are reaching out to an athlete, question for you, what is it you're trying to convey or what you think they need to hear about your school or your program or just anything that you are trying to sell them on? What, what are the things that you think they're making decisions on? Okay, the relationship, and maybe they're going to measure the relationship in the back. Yeah. What are their goals? I heard somebody over here. Yeah, they're going to have the stuff around me to do what I need to do athletically. I think a lot, in my experience, they want to feel accepted. Like what they're doing and what they're offering is going to make the rest of the team happy. Okay. They feel that self-satisfaction. Yeah, val yeah, validation for the rest of the team and, and the satisfaction that I'm a part of this group that, that likes me. I think there's certain aspects to what everybody said. Um, now the point is, how do we tell that story? Whether it's academics or the relationship or facilities or my place on the team, you know, the why behind why we're making this decision. All that typically before now has been one gigantic message, a letter, an email from you or from the school, and your admission, I'm not gonna to try to change admissions. We're only gonna, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. But for you, I as the athlete, the first time you contact me, I am I'm really interested because I don't know much about you. Maybe I haven't maybe considered doing triathlon. So this is all sort of foreign and new, and I am my interest is pretty peaked. How do I tell that story? in a way that keeps them interested over a long period of time. Because do we know from what we just went over, do they make this decision fast or slow in terms of whether, you're not, whether or not you're the right program? A, well, they, fast in terms of responding, but it's a long decision. 
life decision that's going to take a long time. And that's what frustrates some coaches is I sent out these three emails that tells them everything about how great we are academically, athletically, how many acres campuses, here's all our majors, and they don't respond, they don't seem interested. Why is that? Because every other college is doing that as well. So I need to communicate with them differently. And if we're going to communicate shorter versus longer, but over a longer period of time, what does that mean in terms of just the message output? It means we're going to have to, if every six to nine days, that's what they want, not what I want, but what they want, every six to nine days, I have to piece that together and tell a story about every week or every six to nine days for whatever your typical recruiting timeline is. That might be eight months, it could be 14 months, could be longer or shorter. You know, over what period of time do I have to tell that story? That's the challenge. And so the first thing that I would say you need to do is come up with that schedule. So if, let's just say, let's say it's a 10 month recruiting process typically for you. Could be longer, could be shorter. I'm just picking a, a nice even number. And I know that I have to talk about our school over 10 months, because I need to be consistent. I have to keep coming at them. They notice when coaches stop recruiting them. And by the way, sometimes that happens after they visit campus, and they're really excited. You've got them to campus because you were consistent, you were communicating with them. Then they come to campus, and a lot of coaches mistakenly think, well, now they've been to campus, they've seen the dorms, they've seen everything, they know everything, I'm done. You are not done. You have to keep communicating with them. If that visit happens halfway through the process, you have to retell it as if they didn't know it for the next five months. So the schedule is really important. So what, if you're taking notes, or if you wanna just take the thought back, I have to divide, and I'm using the 10 month example, I have to divide 10, I have to make basically 10 columns, and in each one of those columns, I'm gonna tell a segment of the story for several weeks. So let's just say um, your location is just fantastic. Whatever is good about it, location is one of our strengths. I'm gonna, I wanna focus on where we're located first because that's gonna get a lot of interest for the type of athletes that we're recruiting. Um, beautiful campus or surroundings or where we train, whatever it is, that column, let's say for um, February of 2023, it's gonna be all about location. What I wanna do is break that up into four or five messages. So we have roughly four weeks or so, a little more in, well, I know exactly four weeks in February. And I wanna put out the first message on location, week one, that tells a very small snippet Maybe that is just the city you're located in or by and why that's so fantastic. But stop there. And then the next message, the next six to nine days, picks up on that. Hey, so remember I was talking about the city and how close we are and our kids love it and also why it's so good out, you know, around for training. Here's the other thing that I didn't tell you is X about the location. And you say that. And I'll tell you more about it next week. But how does that sound? Let me know if that's sounding like a place that you might want to go. And you, when you do that, guess what happens? Hey, coach, it's Dan. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I didn't know all that. Hey, but question, do you have this and this? Do you have a Chipotle in your campus? I'm addicted to Chipotle. You get to interact with them a little bit. 
about the time that dies down, your next message comes out. So I told you about these two things about where we're located. Next thing I wanted to mention was X. You talk about that. Short, compact, very focused on one topic. You're going to feel it's too short. For the athlete, I open that email or the letter, or if you handwrote something, I open it and I can read it. I can absorb it and understand it. You gave me one thing to think about and I leave and go away. Maybe I'll ask a question, but that was my interaction. If I open up an email or a letter and it's, again, eight point font packed to the maximum margin because you want to fit everything in with a bunch of bullet points, I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that That is that you know that the other institutions are also chasing the same athlete. Yep. And you know the coach by reputation is going to drive, 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 and drive hard, drive fast, and go to make it. How do you exercise patience as a coach to say, we're going to be in a water hall in this recruitment process yeah. and take on a different approach? But you're thinking you're losing ground with the other coach or coach that are doing Sure. So look, I mean, fantastic question, and that's a very strategic question. So the question was, if I have a coach that I'm competing with and they're pressuring, they're on it, make your decision soon, you know, they're just pressuring that athlete and you feel like you're sort of getting run over or that they are, you know, carrying that athlete with them, that there's an attraction to that. The first thing I would, would sort of point out is if, they're, if you sense that athletes are attracted to that, that, hey, come with me, here's what we're gonna do, that strong leadership, I think that's a good, a good feeling to have, that they are attracted to strong leadership. So if you're listening in this room, provide the strong leadership. They're gonna think you're nice anyway, but show them that there's a reason, you're passionate, and you know, again, so at least match it. But what you can also do is this, and without negative recruiting, when you're facing a coach that does that, or anything that they are doing that you don't want to see happen that's not the way that you want the process to run. What I would do is say, hey look, as we start out, just to let you know, you're, I know you're gonna hear from a lot of different coaches. Um, I just want to let you know that, you know, so we're, we're gonna be wrapping up recruiting around X, so here's where that timeline comes in. So we're gonna have, give you 11, 10 or 11 months to make this decision. We're not gonna be the program that pressures you. I'm just gonna let you know, Based on my experience as a college triathlon coach, you're gonna run into coaches that are gonna pressure you, try to make you pay, make the decision fast. That is not the right way to do it. Um, I'm not gonna be that way. I just wanna let you know, watch out for that. That should be a huge red flag for you if a coach does that. If you say that first, what have I just done now as the coach? I've said, you're probably gonna hear from that guy over there. He's gonna do exactly what I've said, and now you have defined it as the wrong way to go through the process. So if I'm the athlete, and I start hearing from that coach and feeling the pressure, you've told me that's not the way to do it. My gosh, he's doing it. And coach, hey, I, I ran into a coach that did exactly what you're doing, and he's trying to pressure me. So you've essentially set the standards and poisoned the well a little bit for a coach that's going to pressure. Now, you're in the room and you're the coach that likes to pressure. I would reverse it and tell the opposite story. If a coach is too passive, if they're not telling you, you know, that you're interested and that they want you, that's a red flag. 
So the story that you tell really does fit your personality and how you want to go through it. The point of me saying that is there's not a right or wrong way. You could probably make a, 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 a case for either coach. Whoever tells the story first and establishes how they're supposed to go through this thing they don't know how to go through, you're going to win. What most coaches do though, here's who we are, here's our stuff, I'm gonna stand over here and not, no pressure. And some other coach then takes the lead and takes over that athlete. So at least establish the way you want them to make the decision and that comes sort of just through that process. Did that sort of answer the, the question? Sure. Yeah. I'm in track and field and there's a massive amount of inventory of athletes that are recruitable. Right. I start June of their summer before the 11th grade year. This is beautiful. I've used it. You know, I've used it to mm -hmm. before and to great success. Two years ago, there were 17 recruitable U.S.-based athletes and 40 programs trying to populate rosters. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, in the first part of this session, every one of them has got 10 or more coaches reaching out to them. Uh, there are examples of kids who've done their first try and then signed with a D1 school, you know, and have a roster spot with a scoring lineup, you know, a month later. Is there a happy medium here for those who want to build a story and go through a process, but to Tim's point, don't want to get beat out by the coaches and offer them a spot on their roster first contact? Um, so that's a tough question to answer. <clears throat> Because nothing's universal. I mean, every prospect is going to react kind of differently. Um, this sport is just in its sort of nascent stages, and that's one of the things that some people are up against. Um, you know, I, again, the the process and how the the storytelling looks and feels to them is going to help them make the decision. I, I, again, I may not be answering the question precisely the way that maybe you asked it or that you're that you're looking for. Because again, there's not one sort of uniform answer I could give. Um, I, I just want to be the coach who defines how they should make the decision, tell them what to look for, have it be based on my experience as a track and field or triathlon coach or whatever, here's the way to go through it, so that then they adopt your way of making the decision. Because one of the big problems is coaches aren't explaining how they're supposed to do this. You know how to do it. You know the process, you know what your school requires, what you want. You have it up here, but you're not verbalizing it, and so the athlete is having to make it up on their own. Or listen to another coach who comes in and says, I need your decision 24 hours after you visit campus or else we yank this, the offer. So coaches are shocked when you get the phone call, hey coach, just let you know I committed over here to this coach. Why did you do that? You were talking about coming back to our campus for a second visit. Well, he told me I had to, or else they were gonna take the visit, or they take the offer away. What it tells me, because I've, you know, that happens hundreds of, probably thousands of times across college sports every single month, what it tells me is these athletes are trying to find somebody out there in this crowd that's going to explain how to do it. So explain how to do it. Here's the right way to do it. Here's what to watch out for. Here's our timeline. Build it the way that you want it because everybody's going to have a different approach. Whichever one of you gets out and defines it first, you have an incredible chance to win that athlete. Because you have now set the standard. You've explained, here's how you do it. And the problem is not all of coaches are, are doing that. So again, the schedule, map that out month 
by month, by month. But then, then what if they visit campus? What if they commit? You still recruit them. I don't want to assume, I'm not going to be Kenneth from 30 Rock and assume they're coming. I'm going to assume another coach is going to keep recruiting them and trying to convince them and change their mind. I don't want that to happen to one of my recruits. So I keep recruiting. Maybe I switch the language to not if you come to my school, but when you come here, again, here's why you're going to love the dorms. I need them to be reminded. They forget so much. We did a study a couple, several years ago. Athletes that visited the campus, visited their respective campus, they took the visit. We sort of got details, and we, sometimes we were there when they visited, and we asked them a week later, basically a simple test, what did you hear on the visit? What did you experience? Do you remember this? What percentage of the visit, in terms of information and stuff they came away with, do you think they remembered? Roughly 12%. So they, a week later, have forgotten 80% or more of your visit. I need to remind them why we're a good school. Schedule it out so that you're, that you're, you're telling that story. As you write it, this sort of goes to your, to your point of what are they looking for in a story. The kids tell us they are trying to figure out and answer two key questions in the whole recruiting process. Coach, why should I choose you and how are you better than my other choices, my other options? Most coaches do a great job of explaining here's what we have here at our school. That is not the same as why I should choose you. I need you as the coach to make that passionate case for why this is the best triathlon program. You should want me as your coach and this is an incredible place to go to school. That's ultimately your responsibility at your school. That's what they've hired you to do. The athlete, the family, they get to make the final decision. But your job is to be passionate about why they should choose you. Because they are looking for the school and the coach that is passionate. And then explain to me how you are better than most other schools I'm looking at. That does not mean negative recruit against a school. It means, look, a lot of schools, they do it A, B, and C way. We have a different way of getting our degrees out. We have a different way of how we treat internships. I'm a different type of coach when it comes to training. Here's how. I want to know how you're different, and hopefully you're making a case as to why then you're better. Um, the elements of a good story. First and foremost is the length. The length is important. Make it shorter. Make it shorter, shorter, shorter. So if you have this schedule, you've mapped it out, you know what you're going to talk about, at least just by topic and the thing you want to emphasize. I now have to, it's the first week of February, i got to put an email out, i got to start telling this story. My recommendation for you, and let's just say it's on, again, the location and what's around campus and why, you know, one aspect that's very niche-focused on, on that. I'm going to give myself as the writer, as you, 10 minutes. So take your phone and set a 10-minute timer, press start, and you've got 10 minutes to write a message. What that's going to do for you is incredible stuff. Number one, you're going to write a short message because you can't get more done in 10 minutes. So whenever that alarm goes off, you wrap it up and it's done. Stick to that instinctively it's going to end up as at the right amount based on what we hear the athletes talking about probably going to be two two and a half paragraphs and because you're writing it fast you're not going to over glorify it with all the language skills that you've learned over getting your bachelor's and your master's and some doctorates 
I don't want it to sound like a speech. I want it to sound like how you really talk because these kids in this generation have grown up communicating how. So do you know what? They are really good at written communication and they associate a voice and realism to that written communication. So when your court commissions department produces a letter that is so beautifully written that they know it's not a real thing, they give it very little credence and they don't read it. Your email to them should almost sound like a text message, and if it's written quickly, it's probably going to be, so, Dan, look, I want to start talking to you right away because you're, we're serious about you, um, and I know most coaches are going to focus on the athletic side of things. I want to go different and talk about where we're located because, man, is it so, it's awesome. Our guys love it here. They, we always do this when we're training, and it's only like 10 minutes from campus, and so we can really get there fast and spend more time there, and it's beautiful. And it really is a good workout, too, because it allows us to do this and this. Um, so you know, here's a link if you take a look at it. Just wanted to get that to you real quick. I have some time in between you know, workouts and stuff. Uh, let me know how it looks to you, and if you have, you know, we'd love to hear back. That's a great email. How much information have you given me? A little bit. But you know what else it does? It creates enough curiosity which is another element of a story that you should want, is I want to make them curious. I don't want to answer all their questions. Because what do I want from each message? I want a response. If you leave stuff out and it confuses them a little bit, now I need to get back to you. Hey, coach, you told me about that training, um, but what about like your weight room? Do you guys use that? Like, where is that on campus? And how, you know, because I'm really into weight training. I want them to be, have a lack of information so that they have to come back to me and now have a conversation. Really, really important. If you hold to that 10 minutes, you're going to automatically leave stuff out that then they can contact you back and ask. And now you create this conversation. You're actually the coach that's easier to talk to. Anything I want to know about your school, I can look it up on my phone. I can watch videos, get all the information about your academics, your school, everything. I don't need you for that. I need you to explain what's unique about that, that I can't get on that, your perspective of why, your opinion of why, for instance, the location is so good. Does that make sense? What do you think some other elements of a good story are that you would just instinctively want to put in there? Character. Yeah. Them? Yeah. It absolutely is all about what they mean to you, how you see them being a part of the team, what they're going to be able to do here. And that also means you're going to ask them about them, their goals, that is going to be focused on them, again, rather than just putting information in front of them about your school. Please don't do that. 10 minutes, short, compact message over and over and over again over a long period of time beats big, long messages over a short period of time. So the process of building a story, it is step by step, message by message. So if you're worried about the stuff you didn't get to say in that first message because you only had 10 minutes, guess what? In a couple of days, you're going to write another one in 10 minutes. And I think it's great when you say, forgot to tell you this, when I told them something about the location, one thing I left out was this, because you know what they start to feel like? Wow, this is a real person writing me a message. And it sounds real because they forgot something. I forget something all the time. 
Understand, I'm not suggesting that you write an individual message to each recruit, because you might have 50, 70, 150 recruits on your list. You, that 10 minute message goes out to everybody. The same message to everybody. But damn, won't they think it's a mass mail? No, because you're writing it in 10 minutes, it sounds real. You're not gonna go back and correct it and insert five syllable words that you picked up in you know, the English 300 class a couple of years ago. It sounds real. And it also is realistic because you don't have time to do 75 separate messages every week, do you? So there's an element of practicality to this as well. If I write it and it sounds like it's going to one person, I can send it to 75, 150 people. And they'll all believe and think and feel like you wrote it to me. And watch when you do that, the amount of incoming traffic that you get on a reply by text and by email. You'll be overwhelmed because they will, they will actually respond to it because it feels and sounds like you were, you were actually talking to them. So that process of going step by step is really, really important. How do you bring action to your story? That could be a story about and, you know, talking about what went on at practice. That could be video. Uh, that could be linking it to something else that is, um, you know, helps tell that story. So the action can happen without you telling it. It might be you showing them stuff. Um, one thing that I would do, just structurally, we found gets a way better response is if you put the whole ugly hyperlink. So hey, watch this video. It really shows what our workouts are all about. And instead of you know you know, highlighting the word watch and embedding the link in that one word, just send them the link because that has, that is a little bit more unprofessional, but it also shows that you're just now a regular person sending them a link and you're not trying to create this beautiful piece with a, a hyperlinked word. Small, but I mean the response difference is in like the 50 to 60% difference in response. So it really, uh, it really works. Um, when I think the first step that I would send you away with in terms of what you want to explain to them and get the process started when it comes to um, walking them through the process of, of getting interested in you is why should they pay attention to you? Athletes say the first step in this whole recruiting process, coaches, you have to get us to pay attention to you. So I would leave you with the instruction of starting with that schedule, start telling the story, don't worry if you feel like you're jumping around a lot because athletes are not going to view it as critically as you do. All they're going to feel is that you're the coach that's telling them stuff that no other coach is taking the time to tell them. You actually want to hear back from them. You're consistent, so when everybody else gives up because they don't know what else to write about, you keep going. And here's another thing, and another thing, and another, and another, and it goes on for 10, 11, 14 months. That begins to earn you assets in the recruiting decision. They will view you, if it comes down to you and another school, and we've seen this happen over and over again, they'll use the way you messaged and how much you messaged as the determining factor for you being the final choice. They're measuring you and your contact as, as part of the evaluation of, are you the most serious about me? I'm gonna stop there. Questions that I can send you off with um, as we start to wrap up. This portion of it, yeah. Right. About messaging, um, we're communicating with 17 and 18 year olds, so there wasn't a traditional recruiting cycle with safe sport and 
all that stuff, DMing or direct, any kind of direct text messaging, all that kind of stuff. Have you guys formulated any kind of guidance around that? Text messaging should be very, first of all, no selling via text message. You can't say, hey, I want to text you today. Here are the three great reasons our degree is going to beat everybody else's. Don't do that. We don't use text message for selling. Text message really should be, um, unless you feel like they're just, this is their go-to and they're very comfortable talking via text to you. What we have seen be more, most successful is, hey, just sent you an email. Take a look at it. Let me know if you, you got it and reply back when you get a chance. Or, um, hey, can we talk to, you know, tomorrow night it's around 7.30. Had a couple things I wanted to say. It's almost, um, it's almost setting up the, the, the communication. Uh, and I would apply that to direct messages as well, is that it's not a place where we sell the program. And recruits very clearly have said that. Um, we don't use text messaging in our adult world. We most people hate sales messages that come across that somehow get our text and they start sending us you know sales messages we hate that and athletes feel the same way so i think texting is best when it says we're going to set up a, you know can we set up a phone call hey i just sent you this take a look at it reply back because they keep telling us email is the place where this is this is sort of built for the recruiting process we want it but if but I have to have that email sort of sound like a text message so that I feel like you're a real person and I can reply to it, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, the question is less about content, but as certified coaches, the NGBs, whether it's track and field, swimming, yeah. triathlon now, the guidance around communication, direct messaging with minor right. athletes. Yes. Have you guys in your research run across that or developed any guidance on that? Because I'm not talking about selling your, or pitching or doing any of that kind of stuff. It's, engaging with them as a 17 year old as adults reaching out yeah we haven't seen in you know an issue arise in terms of you know big problems you know there's one thing to do or not to do i i think in our culture we're we've kind of accepted that college coaches are going to reach out and contact athletes who are 18 and under um, if you're a little worried about that it makes you uncomfortable another reason to involve the parents and i think if you have you know, a young you know, daughter especially, to go and let the parents know, hey, you know, it's you know, Coach Howard and I'm gonna be contacting your daughter, um, we're recruiting her, wanted to just let you know, um, any questions that you have for me, here's my cell number, feel free to, I want you to be a part of this process too as a parent. I think that's normal and I think that that is what most coaches are neglecting to do. And so you erase all the possible um, you know, uncomfortable situations that might arise when when you're including the parents and the parents see that you're transparent. Again, talk about endurance. You guys, two hours of just stuff that you didn't necessarily want to hear about, but it will it will be so valuable to your career. So I'm really glad that you uh, put the time and attention into it. And uh, good luck. And however I can help, near term or long term, please let us know. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. I find it a little concerning how well you know my 18-year-old self. Uh... College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. 
And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh, my God.